The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City. All right, good morning, Story City. My name is Jesse Gibbs, and I have the pleasure to do our scripture reading today. So if you could stand with me. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And it goes like this. A person should think of us in this way, as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. It is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I am not conscious of anything against myself, but I am not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. So don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes, who will both bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. And then praise will come to each one from God. This is the word of the Lord. Morning Story City Church. My name is Justin. I have the privilege of being one of the directors here, and, uh, and I am so excited to share God's word with all of us this morning. Uh, we are currently going through a series through 1 Corinthians, understanding 1 Corinthians, and, uh, and specifically inside of there, we are searching for and we are finding ways that we can align with God's heart for healthy living throughout this year. But, and specifically this morning, I get to talk about aligning with God's heart for our gospel identity. Everybody say gospel identity. All right, this is a good call and response. Like we are interacting this morning. Everybody say gospel identity. identity. There we go. Man, by the end of this, we're going to be passionate, like standing on our chairs, jumping off, saying gospel identity. Like we are going full in on this gospel identity. In in his book, Abba's Child, Brendan Manning says, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is an illusion. Define yourself radically as one beloved by God. I want everybody to write this down in your notes this morning. And I gave you like the whole sheet is just open space for notes. I want you to write this down. I am beloved, I am a beloved child of God. I am a beloved child of God. If you didn't grab notes, you could do it in your phone. I don't care if you're writing this on your arm. You could put up my best, my best notes from church sermons are tattooed on me. I don't care if you're writing them on. Just put it somewhere, write it down. I am a beloved child of God. I am a beloved child of God. Hey, do me a favor, more call and response. Would you turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm a beloved child of God? There's accountability in this place. Now say, you are a beloved child of God. Yeah, I love it, I love it. (laughs) Whatever sin you walked in here with, whatever pain that you're experiencing, the hardship that's coming at you, you are loved by the Father. I'll tell you this, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or the worries that we have for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. And what should we say about these wonderful things? What should we say about this good news? 
If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Think about this. Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. And I'm gonna, I want to say that again. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Not something that we did, not something that we earned. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Our enemies? Our culture? Politics? Ourselves? The image that we see in the mirror? Who's going to condemn us? No one. For Christ died for us and was raised to life for us. He is seated at the right hand of God at a place of honor, pleading for us. But what about these troubles all around me? What about the times that I don't believe in these truths? What if my life experience is telling me the exact opposite of what is being said here? Does it mean that he no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity? What if we are persecuted, hungry, or destitute? What if we are in danger and threatened with death? Friends, I'll say it again. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of our Father. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries for about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Everybody, I want you to take out your Bibles. If you have a physical Bible with you, plop that thing on your lap. If you've got your phones, get on Safari, Google, whatever browser you need, and I want you to go to Romans chapter 8. I want you to go to Romans chapter 8. Trust me, I, I want you to have this. I want you to have this underlined. I want you to, like, to be able to take this with you when you go home because we need to be reminded as much as we go in front of a mirror, we need to be able to go here and see our identity and I want to show you places to go. So please, please get out the word of God and have that thing in front of you as we, go, as we dive in. Go to Romans chapter 8. And as you're doing that, uh, my friends, the word of God in Romans uh, captivate, captivated me in preparation for this message. And I'll confess to you, the only original thing that I have said this morning was the beginning. And even then, I just opened up with a quote from my favorite author. Every word I have spoken has been from Romans 8, chapter 31, or chap chapter 8, verse 31 through. Everything else is from there. And I want to give you a minute to sit in front of God's word because I can say something until I'm blue in the face, but you'll never truly receive it or believe it until you can see it for yourself and believe it for yourself. So I want to just give a little bit of space. I want you to read Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. I want you to see God's word for yourself. 
I want you to rest and allow the word of God to go through you, not just for us to go through the word, but for the word of God to penetrate and go through us, that we might receive the word and receive the identity that's given you can, I encourage you to take notes as you read it, as you see it. What's standing out to you? What are you hearing? What is God saying about your identity? Circle things. Mark up your Bibles. I want to give you just space, a couple of minutes here. We're going to do it together. I'm going to play some really beautiful instrumental music to set the mood. But I want to give you space just to be present before the word of God. I hope that there was some time in there that was illuminating for you. Uh, I'm going to jump deeper into this message today. But there's a huge portion of the theme of today in gospel's identity. There's a huge part of it that I wrestled with in that I don't want to be a distraction to what God has to say. I know that I'm human. And I know that I have an honor to be able to stand up here and read God's word and and do the best of my human ability to help us understand God's word. But at the same time, I don't want to be in between you and God's word. And so I hope that there 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 was a foundation there set for you to see how God sees you and how God wants you to see him and what your relationship with him looks like. Because it is the foundation of where we are this morning. And you might be sitting here thinking, Justin, I thought we were in a series about the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm so glad that you brought that up. So why don't we open up and flip over to 1 Corinthians. It's just the next book over. So it goes Romans, now we go over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, we're going to be in chapter 3. I know that in the verses read earlier, we started out in verse 4. I want to give a little bit more. I'm just getting a little bit more length to it. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to, I want to read for us this part, portion of scripture. I'm going to be reading from chapter 3, verse 21, through chapter 4, uh, into, um, into verse 7. And so I want to read this with you. I would love it if you, would, if you would be there with me so that as I read it out loud, we're reading the word of God together. Um, so let me, let me just start here in verse 21. So let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world of life or death or things present or things to come. Everything is yours and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to you. A person should think of us in this way as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers, managers be found faithful. It is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I am not conscious of anything against myself, but I am not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. So don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes, who will both bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. And then praise will come to each one from God. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit. 
so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, nothing beyond what is written. The purpose is that none of you will be arrogant, favoring one person over another. For who makes you so superior? What do you have that you didn't receive? If in fact you did receive it, why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? Paul is bringing out in this passage, when it comes to our gospel identity, what is getting in the way of us believing that we are beloved children of God? It is pride and boasting. That is what we see, that is what we're reading in 1 Corinthians 3.21-4.7. through 4, 7. Paul is making an argument, he's bringing out, he's talking to the church of Corinth, and he's saying, the reasons why you guys are bickering, the reasons why you are just choosing one person over another, and the fact that you would even get into that mentality, you have lost your gospel identity, because you are too arrogant, you are too prideful, and you are too boastful. What gets in the way of our identity? It's our pride and boasting. From the very beginning, it was pride, the pride of the enemy, the pride of Adam, the pride of Eve. It was in the boasting to be like God that there was a fall. And it was, it's been ever since that fall, we have inherited a, a fleshly pride. We want the credit. We want the attention. What stops us from walking in our identity? It's pride. I, I want you to underline, hopefully you're with me in scripture, I want you to underline three spots. Take note of three spots in this scripture. First comes in chapter 3, verse 21, when it says, so let no one boast. Underline that word boast. Now, I want you to hop down to, to, over to chapter 4. Go look into verse 6. As it says, the purpose is that none of you will be arrogant. Or it might say prideful. Go ahead and underline that word arrogant. And then I want you to look down at verse, uh, verse 7. You did not receive it. Why do you boast? Uh, it even says, Paul says in his own word, the purpose here is to not be arrogant. That's why he's saying this. That's why he's teaching us this. And this word arrogance is the Greek word fusiiao. Fusiiao. I, I like break it down. I'm like, that's a very hard word. Also, I can't help every time I he- like read that word fusiao, I'm like thinking of finding Nemo because my kids are like fusiao, fusiao. I'm sorry. I got a toddler. He's always asking for Nemo. <laughs> but it's this word fusiao. Now you're thinking it. But what's really interesting, I, I drew this from um, from a book by Timothy Keller, the, the Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. But in, the, in his book, Timothy Keller draws out a very interesting takeaway about this word. And you see, it's a word that only Paul uses, fusiao. You're only going to find it in Paul's writing. You're not going to find it anywhere else in Scripture. It's really cool just how creative Paul was as a writer. Uh, it's probably why we would say it's inspired by God. Uh, but he uses this word to draw out imagery. 
Because what this word is, this pride, this boast, this arrogance, it's actually more of like a medical thought that is overinflation. You have been, you're, you're, like your organs have been overly inflated. Your, your ego is so overly f- inflated. Your body, how you think of yourself, there's so much pride, there's so much boastfulness, there's so much arrogance that you're, that you're overinflated. You've overindulged in your self-image. I, I think Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory big old blueberry just floating around, rolling around. Overinflation. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm no medical expert, okay? Uh, like the extent of any medical knowledge I have is from watching House. And even then, everything's Hollywoodized and made up. In fact, I talked to a couple people this morning and I was like, hey, is this, is this real or is that fake from like House? Like that's fake. And like, of course it is. Of course it is. Like you can't trust anything. Anyways, but I remember watching House and I feel like so many times there were episodes after episodes, they would just rewrite medical things. So it was either Lyme disease or something else. But I remember so many times that, uh, that's, that like somebody would come in and their chest would be like so inflated or like their neck was so inflated and then they would spend time like, oh my gosh, this is what's happening. Like gas is filling in their stomachs or air is compressing in their chest. And I feel like it was just Hollywood saying, let's stab them and it's going to release the air, right? This is like, this is what I was, this is what I'm thinking of. And this is actually how Paul is using this word an image, you're so overinflated that you're either going to burst and rupture, or the only other option is to get poked and deflate. Inflation, deflation. And this is where we find ourselves. If we were to take an inner look at the wrestling of our human flesh and the, and the inheritance of pride, it's the wrestling between overinflation and deflation. You see, our flesh is an active rebellion against the Lord. Our flesh desires anything but what is of God. Romans 8, 7 says that our flesh is hostile towards God. Think about this for a second. We were created in the what? Image of? We were created in the image of God. So it makes sense that our image has been broken through the fall. That our image has been marred. It's been tainted. It's been shattered. We, are, we have less of an image through our broken relationship with God. There's a, there's a distortion in how we view our image as we are further away from God. It would make sense. And if our flesh is hostile towards God, then that means that our flesh in its, in its brokenness is trying to fix itself. And it's trying to do anything to fill that fixing except run towards God. Think about it like this. Um, You know, your, your body works great, you know, until it doesn't, right? Everything's fine. You just go through life, man. Today's a good day. Until you wake up and you go, oh, I slept wrong. Or like, oh, why is my elbow moving harder than it used to? Uh, you start having pain. You never go see it. Like, you don't think about going and visiting the dentist unless you're an awesome person that goes for your cleanings. You don't really think about going to the dentist until you're like, ah, oh, my tooth hurts a little bit. You see, this is our body. Everything's operating as it should be until it doesn't. And then it sends pain signals to say, hey, I need attention. 
I need attention over here. And it seems like the older you get, the more attention your body needs. I'm like, I'm only 34, and I'm like, good God. Uh, someone say I'm a baby? <laughs> Talking about I am a baby. <laughs> I hurt. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, in my age. I'm both. I'm both. I'm both. (laughs) But this is the same thing with our ego. Our ego, our image, our identity has been broken. And since the fall, it's been screaming for attention. Since the fall, it's been screaming, I'm hurt and I need to be fixed. But it's hostile towards God. It doesn't want the image bearer, which means that our body's going to scream for anything else. Our body's going to scream to be inflated. I need attention. Just fill me up. Just fill me up. Think about as you're hurt, your body's natural reaction is to swell. Now, I'm no medical expert, so I can't tell you all the ins and outs of why that happens. But it draws attention. There's a self-protection. There's something that's wrong, and it swells up. And it's the same thing with our, with our image in the pride and inside of the ego. If I only look in the mirror, if I'd only be accepted by these people, if I only got this job if I only got this role, if I only made so much money, if I was only in a relationship, if I was only in a different relationship, our ego and our pride begins to start thinking through, justifying all these different options. Maybe I can just fill this. Maybe I can just fill this. And all of a sudden we get so filled in ourself. Paul would say we are inflated. The natural state of the ego is to be puffed up. But that is only a condition when something is injured. It's interesting that in our culture, we have adapted a mentality that we have to, be, that we have, to have low self-esteem. So that we must, what we must do is actually inflate ourselves. It's fascinating how, how culture has recently shifted. It used to be a lot more of like self-worth. Like you started in that place. So then you had to be ruled a lot more by disciplines. But now it's, uh, it's almost like the pendulum has swung. And we're actually starting from a place of deflation. And saying, oh, like we need to be careful about, about who we are. Self-esteem is so low. So now we've focused on more about self-help books. We've started listening to more podcasts about self-worth. And we're as if we need to now be puffed up a little bit more to find a balance there. It's like it overcorrected itself. But don't get confused because it's still both inflation and deflation. Something can only that's deflated had to have been inflated at one point. It's still an ego thing. It's just looking at it from different uh, spots of the spectrum. We're so worried about the deflation, the hurt and the pain that comes with being bumped or hurt or damaged in our ego or in our pride that we, we have things like trigger words and we just want to cancel things out of our life because we don't want the harm. Whoa, whoa, you can't say that about my identity. No, 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 no. We can't even say that word anymore. I'm now taking that word out of my index and I'm not even going to speak that because I need to protect this identity. Identity. We're so careful, and, and we could, it'd be easy to hear this and go, oh, you're bashing culture, you're bashing what's outside of the church. 
Church, we do it just as much inside the church as anywhere else. We got our own trigger words inside the church for these holy people and holy huddles, don't we? Trigger words, we have people that were like, oh, those type of people, they can't be in church. You gotta look a certain way when you walk into church. We've got our own inflation and deflation and cancel culture, don't we, about who can come into the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something. Our feelings can't be hurt. It is the ego that hurts. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. I think it's something very important for for our identity. Our feelings can't be hurt. It's the ego that hurts. It's only in ourselves and the projection of ourselves. It's only in our ego that screams, hey, that hurt. You're, You're master of your feelings. God has created, you have an innate image in God. That feeling does not shift who you are. It is your pride that's trying to tell you that hurts. I need attention. So of course, there's a thought, well, if I, oh, humility. If I just lean into humility, if, I, if it's so puffed up, then, then what I must do is I must, I must be woe to me and I just be, must be the complete opposite. We're, we're such extremists, aren't we, as human beings? Oh, can't be like that. So we got to be all the way over here. Listen to this. Uh, uh, one of my favorite authors says this. Humble men and women do not have a low opinion of themselves. You want humility? You want to be a humble person? Humble men and women do not have a low opinion of themselves. For so long, the, the thought of what it meant to be, humi- uh, to be humble me, w- would have meant, oh, I just need to think less about myself. I have to think smaller of myself. But doing that game just enters into the inflation-deflation game. Humble men and women do not have a low opinion of themselves. They have no opinion of themselves. The heart of humility lies in the undivided attention to God. It is a fascination with his beauty that is revealed in creation. It is a contemplative, a meditating, a thinking always on the presence to each person who speaks to us. Not feeding our ego, but looking into the heart of the person across from us. And it is a de-selfing of our plans, our projects, our ambitions, and soul. A de-selfing of our plans, projections, ambitions, and soul. Humility is manifested in an indifference to our intellectual, emotional, and physical well-being. And a carefree disregard of the image that we present. It's letting go. It's it's being indifferent to how smart we come across, our emotional status, our physical well-being. It's a carefree disregard of the image that we present. It is only in relying in God. You see, this is why Paul can say in verses 3 and 4, of, of chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 4. He says this. It is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you. 
or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, for I am not conscious of anything else against myself, but I am not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. I love Paul. It's so funny. It's like he's kind of actively like repenting of his arrogance in this because he's like, I'm not going to be judged by you. I'm not going to be judged by any court. I don't even judge myself. And then he like puts in this little thing. He's like, because I'm good. <laughs> like, I don't even know. I'm not even conscious of anything I've done wrong. <laughs> it's, but it's more of like a confession because then he says this, but I am not justified by this. I am not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. See, Paul was like, I'm not going to get into the courts of public opinion. God's opinion is what matters. My identity is that I am a beloved child of God. And nobody's going to sway that. Not myself, not my ego, because I'm not justified by, by what, how I think of myself. I'm not justified by what you think of me. It is only the Lord who judges me. You know what the Lord says? I am a beloved child. Paul's identity in Jesus, he knows that he is a beloved child of God, whether it's in inflation or deflation. In the inflation, he would say, if anyone should have confidence in themselves, I have more. And then he would list all of these ways. He's like, I'm better than you. But then he would also say, whatever gain I have, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Even in the inflation, he's like, it's nothing. It's nothing. Christ is more. You know, what he, you know what he calls all of his accolades? All of Paul's accolades, everything that he said that he's ever accomplished in comparison to, know, being, to knowing and being known by dad? You know what he calls it? He calls it rubbish. You know what that translates to? Poop. It's crap. It's nothing. That's all of those things, all of his accolades. He's like, it's rubbish in comparison to being known by the Father. Even in his deflation, he'll say, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, he is strong. There's, it's a disregard of self whether in the inflation, whether in the deflation, it's all unto Christ. It's all into my identity of being a beloved child of God. Friends, the court is adjourned. It's adjourned. Look at Philippians 4.3. As he says here, he says, it is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. Paul's ta talking about this court of man. He's talking about this concept of being judged. Uh, I hear so many times, you know what the number one common response, the number one response to, how are you feeling today? How are you doing? You know what the n number one response is? I'm tired. I'm tired. How are you doing? Tired. I didn't get enough sleep last night. How are you doing? Tired. You wouldn't believe the week I've had. Yeah. You know why you're exhausted? You know why you're exhausted? Because you're going to court every single day. 
You're choosing to walk into the courthouse. You're choosing to engage into the discourse of public opinion. You're choosing to engage in the court system of what you see in the mirror. You're choosing to engage. It's a lie of the enemy. Listen, I don't say you're choosing to engage as if it's something that, that you should feel like icky about. This isn't judge, judgment. I wrestle with this every single day. Am I going to walk into the court or am I going to claim the victory of Jesus Christ who justified me? That, that, that what I believe in the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ, that the court case has been dealt with. Paul, this is where the strength that Paul has. I'm not even going there. Do you not, Paul's like, do you not understand? Save your breath. I am a beloved child of God. Nothing separates me from the love of the Father. I'm not even going to entertain your accusations. I'm not even going to entertain who's greater, who's less. It doesn't matter. It's all been given by us unto Christ. He's all that matters. To know him and to be known by him. I want you guys to say it again. I am a beloved child of God. Guys, give yourself over. This is your identity. Live from it. Live into it. You are a beloved child of God. You are. Don't entertain the courts. Uh, The public opinion courts the courts that you're so often faced with in the image that you would look at even in yourself. That is, your, that is the flesh trying to wage war against what is of God, trying to mar that image. That is the court of self saying, feed the ego, build me up, anything else but Jesus. Do not entertain the courts. There is no court. Jesus went to court. Jesus paid the price. You are justified. You are redeemed in Jesus. You are a beloved child of God. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you, God, for your truth, for your surpassing love, for your grace. God, I thank you that you came in the flesh, that you lived this life, You know exactly the trials, the tribulations, the persecutions. You know what it's like to wrestle in the flesh of self-worth. God, you know exactly what we are going through. And yet you lived a life and you gave it all. You went to the cross. You took the courts. Literally, you sat in the courts of public opinion. You sat at the courts from the Father. You took our place in the court. And you died and you resurrected that the courts would have no power over us anymore. That to into anyone who believes in Jesus, that we might be free and free. God, that you, that we would take on our redeemed image as beloved children of God. And I pray this for every person in this room, that they would, that they would walk in your image, that they would, that God, you would redeem our, our flesh. God, that you would bring us into your presence. Lord, we need more of you and less of us. God, come and sanctify us. Make us more into your image. We need your help. 
In your holy name, amen.